My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Lee Chambers. I'm finding it hard to put into words how special this one was for me. And I know I kind of say that about every episode, like that was a really special one, but damn it, this one was, man. Lee is, um, how to describe Lee? He's an environmental psychologist. He's a well-being consultant. He founded a company called Essentialize that's all about helping uh, bring well-being to the workplace. He's also part of a movement in his hometown of Lancashire in the UK to bring well-being to every part of that community. And, you know, the thing about well-being is it's such a common word these days. It's kind of, I don't know, a buzzword or a catchword. And oftentimes when we hear it, it probably evokes fitness or sleep or eating or meditation and it should. Lee works with all of these things, but he does so in a way that honors, at least as I experience him, that honors the sort of deep complexity and beauty of each person. That the external stuff, the stuff we can see, like how often you meditate or go for a run or what food you put in your body or how long you sleep for, are simply expressions of something deeper inside of us that's longing to come out. He has his own incredible personal journey of from from disease, the word disease, disease, disease into wellness, and he shares that on the show. And he also just has this incredible gift for metaphor that I think when you hear him talk about well being and the way that he talks about it, you'll leave this conversation today with so much more energy and zest for how you might start to be more well in your own life. So let's hear what Lee has for us. We'll get settled in. And let Lee take us into well-being. Hey, Lee, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today, Andy. Yeah, man. You know, it took us a little while to land on this date today, but... Um, one thing I really appreciated, and I, and you you sort of mirrored this to me before we started the call, is how powerful it is to really connect with someone else and really support them wherever they are in their journey. And I know that's a big part of the work that you do, but last time we were scheduled to meet, uh, we we lost someone, re- my family lost someone we really cared about that day, and, and you were just so beautiful about how you supported me in that moment, and I was really touched by that, and I'm grateful to kind of share like I just sense that's sort of who you are. It felt very authentic to you that this is just what you do for your clients, 
for your community, for your, for anyone that you touch. And I just want to just mirror that back to you and say thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciated the honesty and the opportunity that you gave to rearrange. And sometimes destiny travels in directions that we <laughs> hadn't planned, but it's how we respond to that. And you responded with, you know, the care and attention to actually call me and let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Man, thank you. I'm really glad we got to land today. And it seems like maybe if we can play with this idea of destiny a little bit, that it's been a really big, I mean, heck, it's a big week in the world right now. We're recording this during <laughs> election week in the States. But actually, like, I don't want to maybe spend too much time there because we could we could all spend lots of time there. But for you, you've had a big week because from what I understand, you just launched a nonprofit like literally this week, you wrapped, you wrapped that up this, this morning and now we're talking. Is that right? Yeah. So we launched Wellbeing Lancashire, which is a nonprofit that looks to integrate a number of different health services, both from the public health to the universities, to the health innovation, all the way across to third sectors and businesses and helping to create an overarching framework and interconnecting the dots in wellbeing that are so often floating in silos and for us, it's a, it's a really pivotal moment because we're facing significant challenges across a lot of different areas of well-being, you know, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, intellectually. Mm. And there's a real call and a real, you know, mission to start to look at how we look at this in such a wider interconnected way because mm. things don't tend to work very well when they're sat on their own because they don't get the feedback They don't tend to take action. They tend to move very slowly. And in all truth, there is no planet that doesn't have moons around it moving at pace and ensuring that things are magnetized together. And what we need is a lot more polarity in the well-being world. Mm, Man, I love that. This image of kind of all the bodies, the moons orbiting this planet and how do we bring them together and, and really acknowledge that all of these things going to have an impact on the whole picture. So one, one theme I heard in there was this theme of, of integration. And what I, what I really loved, like already just in what you said, you kind of, I noticed punctured a bit of a stereotype I had about well-being, which was something, some version of kind of like eating well and exercising, (laughs) right? Like I feel like, I sense that there are probably lots of us when they hear wellness or well-being, it's located in a very physical, often weight oriented, but at the very least kind of like physical health oriented or cardiovascular oriented. And you were just like spirituality, finances, body, society, like you're not talking about just that. You're talking about something much more integrated. And I wonder if you could speak to that uh, in a bit more depth. Yeah, so, I mean, we always have as human beings the the connotations of certain words. And unfortunately, in the modern world that we live in, words are marketed and shaped and crafted into ultimately trying to guide you down a certain path. Mm. And truth be told, the, 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 the wellness, the well-being of humans is not one single discipline. And so often it's about helping and looking at engaging in these numerous different areas because as a human being, we are massively interconnected and we have many influences and factors that actually lead us to a place where we can flourish, where we can move towards our potential and where we can grow. And naturally, as we kind of look at the world of health, 
well, a lot of the modern healthcare that we have is very much focused on, okay, you have one problem. Let's try and alleviate that one symptom by mm. finding the one medication that will solve that. And then your medication packet comes with 10 side effects because you are trying to, to you're trying to twist one thing in the system and it's knocking another 10 things out of kilter. Mm. So mm. why don't we actually start to look in a world where for some reason we embrace individuality and isolation and really trying to niche down on, on one thing and everything having one singular meaning? Well, there's billions of human beings. Everyone has their own perspective and perception on reality, if there is such thing as reality. <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> we have an amazing feedback loop. We are an experiment to be discovered as human beings. And a lot of what we actually need, we can find out from ourselves. All the answers are within every human being. And yet, as we start to actually look at things in a more interconnected way, you start to realise that it doesn't take a massive change to feel like you are more well as a human being. It so often takes a few small changes compounding together across mm. all the different fields of well-being and wellness. Mm. Mm. Oh, man, there's so much in there. Thank you. One thing I want to underline is um, like medication, right? Like we're heavily medicated species right now at least at least in and and the states for sure and it sounds like in the uk as well and it's just sort of assumed like the cost the cost of the cure are the side effects but i really hear you saying no the side effects are actually signs of the deeper interconnectedness like actually those are clues telling us that if we keep focusing on something in this atomized unconnected isolated way we will forever be causing more problems for ourselves and then wonder what do we do about that well okay let's go to one of those 10 side effects and try and solve that with yet another thing that causes these ripple effects yeah. but but you're then also speaking to the upside at the end i heard you say like there's also a version of that where when we understand that interconnectedness there's the possibility of noticing that certain small changes maybe perhaps done in the right sequence or done with the right awareness or done with the right intention can produce super positive ripple effects. And that actually it's not like just because we're talking about spirituality and money and, and relationships and all these things that you have to be like a superhero and all of these things, but rather that they're just all connected and that there are some core stuff, small stuff that can compound. And I want to hear you talk more, like, let's make that as best we can in our conversation today a bit more tangible. How have you seen that show up in your life or in the lives of your clients or as you start to think about helping, uh, helping nonprofits and hospitals and, and governments talk more effectively about public health? Like, what are some of those levers we can start to pull that have the positive compounding effects that you're describing? Yeah, Andy. So it's when we're actually looking at that and you put it really nicely how so often if you look at the symptom and then the side effects, it's actually a reverse indicator. Mm. Indicating back to actually what the what the issue is. And if we're actually willing to use those reverse indicators to guide mm. us, mm. suddenly we actually get to a point where more often than not, we can actually find something that we have the ability to change. Mm. And it's not to say that there isn't a place in the world for medication because 
for some people, there is. And for some people, it is needed. However, and like anything, an over-reliance, an abundance of certain things, in fact, an abundance of anything, truth be told, when it's not in balance, is an issue for us as human beings. We can have courage. If we have too much courage, not enough fear, well, we're unlikely to exist for very long because <laughs> we do need to find that, you know, that, 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 that beautiful place. And I don't like to use the word balance too much because it's another word that has been washed to mean certain things. Mm. I much prefer harmony or integration. And they are kind of a lot of words that I use in my work. If I'm to kind of go back to my own story for a moment, to just give an example uh, in 2014, I, I lost the ability to walk for illness. My immune system attacked my connective tissues in my joints and left me immobile. And that was a really challenging time uh, for me. My son was 18 months old. My wife was six months pregnant. And suddenly I was stuck in hospital and I wasn't able to feed myself, wash myself or look after the people who meant the most to me. Um, but through that experience, it did take me almost a year to get back walking again. But I realized that the medication that I was on that helped me to do that at the time, I needed I needed that medication to dampen my immune system from attacking my body. But there becomes a point where after I'd been able to get back on my feet, learn to walk again, I decided to ask myself, well, okay, so the doctors are struggling to diagnose exactly what's happened. They've done an awful lot of tests and I don't have many answers. Mm. But what I do know is that I've managed to learn to walk again. So what else can I achieve? Mm. And at that point, I decided I was going to do a review of my whole life and start to look at changing things in my nutrition, things in my movement and things in my sleep and start to treat myself as a big experiment mm. because there's an awful lot of advice out there in the world. But is it for you? We're all bio-individual. We all have our own gut enzyme makeup. We all have a unique microbiome and we actually have a genome that is ours. And to start to explore that mm. and experiment and understand, suddenly you're starting to listen to your body. And through experimenting, I started to take ingredients in and out of my diet and measure how it made me feel, both physically, but more important, how it made me feel mentally. Mm and was able to actually start to understand there are certain things that energize me. There are certain things that I can tolerate. There are certain things that drain me. Mm. And there are certain things that set off my inflammation. Mm. And going through that process, I went through quite a few journals. I went through a lot of methodology. <laughs> but ultimately, by doing the same thing with my sleep and experimenting with my biorhythms, with my timings, with my environment... Uh, and just starting to look because we are an incredibly interesting species and to start to learn yourself is incredibly empowering. And the biggest thing for me is I managed to come off that medication by going through that process. Wow. But there's something slightly bigger. By listening to my body, I now have an amazing acuity. I can feel when I'm starting to become unwell. Mm. I can feel when mm. maybe I've worked a little bit too hard. All the signals and feedback are there to be listened to. 
But as human beings, we seem to have fallen into this world of endless stimulation and entertainment to the point where we don't hear ourselves anymore. And I try and help my clients to make small changes, change your bedtime by 10 minutes and just see how it feels. Start to do some experiments with some of the food that you eat. Maybe look and see if you take this out of your diet, how do you feel? How do you feel half an hour after you've eaten something? Mm. How about two hours afterwards? Mm. And just by making those small changes, you don't need any fancy devices to do this. So much of our exploration is free. It's accessible. All you need is a pen and paper to start writing some things down. Mm. Oh, Lee. Man, I I, uh, just want to name that I was really, really touched by the phrase you used, we are all bio-individual, that we all have our own genome. And I just want to take a minute to kind of check in, like, why was that so moving for me? I think it's this. Just the other day, I was sharing this with with a a group of my clients yesterday, and, and we were kind of talking about history and lineage. And, um you know, you're a parent and, and, and I am too. And the other day we got to see a picture of my father-in-law who passed away last year in his late eighties when he was f- around five years old in Sicily where he grew up. So yep. it's just one of these classic, like early 1900s sepia toned <laughs> photo and seeing his face and seeing our children's faces looking out from his face at us and then also looking at their faces and seeing his face looking out at us. And then also seeing that the way all three, like he, my father-in-law, my son, my daughter also have their own face. Like there's this, just like we're, we're all both connected to this beautiful lineage. And inside that lineage is all of these, uh, these patterns of behavior and, bio uh, individuation and like and they all come together uniquely in each one of us and so there's just like something really beautiful that i hear you speaking to that the sort of that the the public approach to public health never seems to really address it's just like here's the prescription here's your problem here's your prescription and you're saying no this is much more this is much more personal and that you can really be in charge of not only taking care of yourself, but really understanding you and where you came from and where your kids might go as a result of that. And I just, I don't know, man, that really moved me. And I really appreciate you sharing that language because I've never heard it before. Ah, and and it's that, it's that thing, Andy. I mean, so often we don't really get much in our educational journey. And then we go out into the world of work, so many of us in many different forms. But at no point do we get this almost like this this coursing experiment with your body, mind and spirit and go and find out the information. And sadly, many of us just pass through life never really thinking about it until for many people it it becomes a problem. And it's understandable that human beings are very agile and dynamic in a crisis but very generally ignorance of prevention. And mm, mm. We, we do have certain psychological hooks that can be utilized to actually get us to think more about these things. But in all truth, they're not really used in the world that we live in today because it's designed for comfort. 
and exploring yourself isn't always very comfortable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, one thing I was tuning into is you shared this beautiful version of existence where we're all really tuned in to like, to really hear these parts of us saying like, that food wasn't good for you or, or that conversation really stirred something up or, or whatever it is. Like there's all this information we're just getting from our experience in our bodies to get to that level of um, kind of attention and awareness that you described in the midst of this society we've built for ourselves. That is just like so high volume and so noisy and so oriented towards those parts of us that understandably just want things to be easy and clear and simple, that there's sort of a, there's sort of a twofold uphill hill to climb. And, and most of us, one are not going to, most of us struggle to to turn off the noise. That's the first hill. Right. And then once the noise is turned off to like, stay with the discomfort of like, I, I'm trying to, what is, what signal, like, if this feels weird, what signal do I look for? I, I can't meditate. I can't focus on. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so the sort of both the turning off the noise and the learning of the skill that seem to be really critical here. And I wonder how you help people. I mean, one, just your story was really inspiring. So I bet that mm-hmm. helps people, but I wonder how you help people just navigate that complexity because they have not, maybe in their whole lives never had a chance to really realize the power of their body and their attention. Yeah, I think the, the first thing that we always have to do in, in that situation is, in this modern world, we've, we've become scared of solitude mm. and we've become fearful of boredom. Mm. Mm. And it's in those states where suddenly we start to be able to access. And as human beings, we are teleological We love targets. We love something to drive towards. But so often we set targets without really digging deeper into why and understanding the beliefs that shape the targets that we set. Mm. So the beginning point really is to help people find a really compelling vision of the future and a really compelling reason to start to explore. And that involves quite a lot of questioning quite deep into people's psyche and starting to help them understand because the behaviors that you have are actually a result of an, a lot of underlying differences, a lot mm. of underlying, mm. you know, content that's there, that's inside of you. And when we're born, we're pure. We're not pre-programmed except to do a few things that keep us alive. And yet as we grow up, especially in this modern society, there is so much noise. It's almost like clay that's literally covered all over us from such a young age Mm. to the point that Mm. by the time we're an adult, we're just a colossus of stone (sighs) stuck. And we are the human being, the entity that we are, is stuck in a little, little bit in the middle of that. And it's so difficult to start to shake that colossus so it starts to crack and rumble and yet that's the power of questions you're able to ask questions that help people to probe inside to actually start to get a little bit deeper and almost start to walk into a shower washing 
this aeons of grime that we acquire. And suddenly people start to actually see that in inside they're made of gold. There's a spirit and a and an entity inside of all that stone that's incredibly valuable, incredibly beautiful. And they've not seen it in the mirror for so long. And it just takes a few cracks for them to start to say, okay, so I've got a compelling vision and a compelling why. I can see some light beyond the stone. Will you start to help me build some simple tools to mm. start to unlock and put into these gaps and make them a little bit wider? And that's that self-awareness that you build through asking those questions and helping people to explore why they do what they do, mm. why they want the things that they want. Mm. And just starting to help people to understand that if you let life take you, you'll be like a river. You'll be flowing. But downstream are lots of things that you don't want. However, you can actually jump out and walk upstream Mm. and choose a point where you enter the river and probably enter it with a canoe. (laughs) or something that can help you to navigate the challenges because adversity doesn't discriminate. But if you're in a place where all of a sudden you've built that self-awareness, you can see that gold inside of you, you end up with a certain element of resilience. You actually become anti-fragile. You see all the options. You see a world where you can actually be who you want to be. You can express yourself authentically because you can see it through the gaps. Yeah, man. I love the way you work with metaphor and um, what's striking me about, I often talk to to my clients and to people about like the armor that we build up. Mm-hmm. And so your sort of Colossus is a great metaphor for that. And you can see a, you could see a benefit, right? Like the upside is you've, you've got this strong shell that <laughs> that that has a protective quality to it. Yep. But you can also pretty quickly see the downsides. That shell is heavy, it's rigid. It's as it starts to take a certain shape, it it can't really reshape itself in this to a new pose. So then it's kind of like, all right, well anything else that gets added on top of it is going to build on whatever the kind of initial shell was shaped into. You know, and so there's there's just that like recognition that that the armor is there for a reason and there's nothing wrong with armor, but if you want access to that agility and that anti-fragility that you described, you've got to find a way to help you take it off. And what's cool about, about stone as a metaphor that I really like as opposed to armor is like, I'm imagining the kind of golden light inside this armor. It's like you get a crack in and you start chipping away and you can just imagine like when a, like when a glacier just like calves off, right? Like just, you could just see like huge parts of the stone. Suddenly this is like the small thing compounding into big effects that I think you're talking about. It actually doesn't, isn't going to take as much work as you might think because it's not solid stone. It's actually just a shell. And as that shell starts to crack, the whole integrity of the shell weakens. And now inside is not is not like, I think this is a thing that people really, when they get it is so fucking cool is that inside the shell is not weakness. It's not vulnerability. Actually inside the shell is the kind of strength and energy you thought you needed when you built that armor. Yep. 
right? And that then when the armor is fully off, you're not weaker, you're actually stronger. And that's yeah. a really cool space to be. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Like almost the self-awareness that you build by removing the stone allows you to repurpose that stone to build strong foundations for you to stand atop, on top of. Yeah. Love it. Even the stone, like even the stone falling to the ground becomes something you can repurpose. Yeah, there's this really, uh, oh man, there's this, this future state as you describe, as you describe that for people, right? Like I can see we're really right now, we're really anchoring in like what that could do for the individual. And you, and you're a living example of that, right? Like you really, the level of awareness you have now means not only did you recover from your illness, it seems to me that you're now stronger than you've ever been, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Like you are, that capacity you have now as a result of the journey you went through is just remarkable. And imagine if everyone in your family had that capacity or everyone in your neighborhood had that capacity or everyone in your, in your city had that capacity or your country or your continent right? Like there's a sort of, there's a wonderful ripple effect. And I don't know what the threshold is, but I just have a sense that of enough of us, I don't know, there are seven and a half, eight billion people in the world. Maybe, maybe if a billion of us had it or half a billion, what, what would start to shift for, for all of us, if more of us could be moving from this place of, of golden, like the gold inside the, mm. that agility and anti-fragility. And I wonder, have you, have you thought about that at all or felt into yeah. that at all? I suppose the movement of what I do is asking people to break the stones off together mm. and build themselves a pyramid together where they can stand on top of and look across the world, amplifying the message and getting other people to build their own pyramids, their own <laughs> mountains. And yeah. all this stone is here covering so many people. But just think what we could build, natural, natural monuments where we can really, because we do all deserve to be elevated yeah. up into the air, yeah. up beyond the world and able to see down. Because as human beings, you know, we do like being on the ground, but take someone in a helicopter so they can look in awe below and being able to see, that makes us incredibly grateful when we can look at a vision from above and just see how magnificent the world is. And ever more so, as in recent years, we've not been looking after the earth. It's been decimated. Yeah. There's, there's a, I mean, that, that was a whole other episode. But as soon as we can help people to elevate themselves, they will elevate others. And, you know, my kind of vision is many people building storm platforms together, having broken free, and gradually building a platform where people can see each other across the world in an elevated place. <sighs> That's beautiful, man. I love that vision. You're right that we could spend a whole episode or, you know, we could spend our lives actually. And there are people who do devoted to this question of what are the implications of how we live or don't live on our planet, which is the only place we have to live. And I, and I actually think we should play with that right now because it is a, a question that sadly, like many other things, has become politicized and polarized, but it's just, 
I just like want to sit with the simple truth that we are not apart from this world that we're in, that we are intimately, we are just, we come from the earth. We go back to the earth when we die. We live on and in and around it for the entirety of our lives. And yeah, cool. We might go to Mars someday, but I'll tell you what, that's a hell of a project. And if we can't (laughs) figure out how to make our planet livable, like, yeah, maybe we could learn some stuff on Mars to bring back to Earth, but like, let's get it right on Earth because if Mars is our next best bet, man, like it ain't that great, (laughs) you know? So I just, I just really want to tune into that. Like what I hear you saying is that there is a natural flow from self-healing and self-wellness to collective healing and collective wellness to planetary healing and planetary wellness, that those are just all on a spectrum. Is that right? Is that what you're yeah, tuning into? Yeah, so I very much agree that, I mean, my background is in environmental psychology. So mm. trying, to, trying to understand why one person in a, in a place, probably in the middle of a city, looks at climate change and worries about it most days, and the neighbour doesn't believe it exists. Mm. And mm. There, there are millions and millions of people who live at sea level. And very mm. soon, their homes will be inhabit- un- uninhabitable. But it's not just the homes, the bricks of a house. It's where their ancestors lived. It's mm. where the family lived. It's the place where they spent mm. their lives and suddenly doesn't exist as a livable place anymore. Memories, moments, and times pass. And all of a sudden, lots of significant uh, weather systems, environmental disasters, and it just seems to have become, well, there was a, there was a tsunami here, there was a hurricane here, and no one seems to really anchor into the fact unless they're affected by it and that's another human trait where very much switched off mm. until we switched on yeah and, and yeah. again when the crisis hits we all we switch on but often we just fall back into old routines and really it's about looking and it starts with you you might feel i'm one person what can i do but the ripple effect is something that you don't always see, but it's absolutely massive. Yeah. If you're able to extrapolate your values and openly talk about the things which people don't see, because we know the attention economy doesn't show us these things. No. It shows us lots of things that ultimately it wants us to click on and consume. <laughs> And it's worth $7 trillion. So it's no surprise that there's a, there's a, lot, be, a lot behind it trying to pull you in. And also, Yeah, that, it's not an accident designed the way it's no, designed. No, yeah. and it's all designed to exploit our evolutionary psychology, which is sad because it could be used to help everyone understand the true impact of not looking after the planet. Right. It could be used to amplify our evolutionary psychology as opposed to exploit it. Well, exactly. Yeah. And we, ha- we have to almost, as human beings today, accept where we are currently at to be able to find a way 
to craft and cultivate a better future and helping people to become aware, equipping them to ask the questions because we live in a world that's full of answers. That's why Google is so successful. It's Mm -hmm. full of answers. But changing the world is created by asking powerful questions. Yeah. And that's something that we've, in many ways, lost the curiosity, the will to dig a bit deeper. Yeah. I'm I'm tuning into the sort of, and I, and I was going to say analogy, but it's like, no, it's like literally on the level of the human body, which is of course itself, not just like a, a monolithic unitary thing, but is actually a system of things working in harmony to use your language, which I love, right? Orchestra. Uh, an orchestra. Yeah. Like when we are playing, then that orchestra is, and, and maybe we're the conductor, right? Mm-hmm. If we get conscious, if we turn on and wake up, we can start to engage as a conductor. And, yeah. and for those who haven't never been to, to an or like to see an orchestra play, the conductor doesn't play the instrument for you, but it helps all the instruments play together. And it's a beautiful and important thing. So when we think about that, like harmonization that you're helping people get into that orchestra now playing together as one and how there are just some small tweaks that you can do to, to help increase the odds of that happening. One thing that you said earlier that seems really important here, uh, if we zoom up all the way to the global context, has something to do with, with speed or something to do with, um, with, with what, how we're wired versus how change or evolution actually often happens. And we're wired to survive fast-paced crises, right? Like we're wired to dodge the lion as best we can or to yeah. kill it if we can, right? Or to hunt and hunt down and, and, and get something that's going to nourish us or to find the food in the ground at the right time or whatever it is. We're wired generally in a faster-paced way or at least that often, that part of our orchestra often runs the show. Yeah. But then the, and then you have this attention economy that comes in and exploits that. But, but what, you're, what you said earlier is that we actually have access, we have parts of our orchestra that can, that can attune to things that move at a slower pace. That like yeah. you can notice how you feel a half hour later or two hours later or 24 hours later. You can notice subtler, subtler impacts that would be invisible if you're not turned on. And, and that, like, that has to be true all the way up. It's like the question I guess I'm trying to ask is how can we collectively realize that we don't have to develop a new skill to pay attention to the pace of climate change or to the pace of sea level rise? Even though our, even though our hunter brains don't see it, like we can see it if we know how to pay attention and we can feel it. And, yeah. and like that, that feels like a big ask, but actually I think it has just something to do with what you're describing. It's like, if we're all, if we chip away some of that stone on ourselves, we're also chipping away at some part of the stone that we've built around our, our collective society. And then at some point we actually will be able to see and feel reality on different levels than we currently do because we're tapping into different parts of our awareness. Does that resonate with you as like part of this puzzle we're playing with? Yeah, so I kind of feel that if we're if we're at a lower vibrational frequency, so to speak, mm-hmm. our impulsivity increases. Mm. So we're mm. impulsive. Everything mm. has to be now. It has to be quick. 
and you actually focus, for example, on eating the donut, you focus on as it hits your palate. And anything else after that is just consequential. But if we're actually able to tap in and slow down that impulsivity, that requires us to, you know, train ourselves, especially our minds, and really start to access some of the some of the tactics and techniques of mindfulness, meditation, mm. and mm. just realizing that that self-awareness, we can slow it down. And by slowing down our impulsivity, we're suddenly able to actually look and see how things compound over time and how this modern society of gratification now, this modern society of fast food, this modern society of get rich quick, <laughs> of instant six-pack abs, <laughs> and all things which are strangely promised but never really nourishing. Yeah. If we actually take the time to embrace that solitude, to slow down, to actively disconnect and realise that we have the power to slow down the speed of the cycle. Yeah. That yeah. gives us so much power because the world doesn't slow down, but we do. Mm. And suddenly it's like you're playing life in slow motion. And you can see things which were a blur before. You can <laughs> yes. see them clearly. Yes. And as you travel on that path more slowly, you see the various options and the potential things that might happen on that path. Because suddenly you're not running past them. You're not even looking for shortcuts while you're running quickly. You see the branches of the tree rather than racing to the top. And the ability to do that suddenly gives you so much more. We have this world where you have to be quicker, you have to be faster, you have to be more efficient. What if we actually slow down? Suddenly we can actually achieve so much more when we just start to practice slowing down. Yeah. Man, the uh, uh yeah there's a lot in there i want to sort of, sort of anchor in what feels so my wife and i my wife and i watched rewatched a movie i'm a nerd i'm gonna like out myself as a nerd here we rewatched a movie called x-men days of future past last night and it's a rare gift right now with two kids for us to be able to watch a movie <laughs> okay but the why am i sharing this the reason i'm sharing this is because there's a character in that movie called quicksilver and he actually does move incredibly fast, so fast that other people can't see him when he uses his power. So I want to be careful because there's a way in which the metaphor might break down here. But what happens when we see the world from his perspective is everything else is incredibly slow. So actually his quote unquote speed power is in fact the power to see the world in, in the way that you just described and to move through it in the way that you just described. So there's this great scene where all these people fire bullets and he can just kind of like, he just like puts in headphones and sort of just like <laughs> what we would think is happening is he's running really fast, but he's just like dancing and he just kind of like 
nudges the bullet out of the way and like moves someone's fist to go in a different direction and takes a bite of food and enjoys it and savors it. And just like, you know, it's just a brilliantly filmed scene and a brilliant conceptualized. And of course is not, is not anywhere true, but it is in the sense that you're talking about, like there is actually a truth in that, that like, even if you could just slow down eating that donut and feel the texture of it on your tongue and feel the way after the sweetness passes, there are other flavors there perhaps. And then the way it feels when you swallow it. And then you might like actually only like, oh, wow, I only really needed one bite of that donut. I don't actually need to eat the box. Right. And there's a way in which the tuning in on whatever, like tune into whatever you want to tune into. There's just an infinite array of information and possibility in anything that you're already doing to pick any part of your life and see if you can slow it down. And you're going to see possibilities that you can now dance with and engage with that before we're just gone because you've already swallowed the first bite and you're taking the next one and the next one and the next one. So I just love this uh, picture you're giving us of a world where actually the beautiful paradox that I think you're inviting us into is that actually, if we really learn how to slow down, we'll have access to more possibility to more quote unquote speed than people who are going really fast actually have access to. Yeah. And that, that is the paradox of being agile and being dynamic. Yeah. Because if you can slow down the, the external, you can actually move more quickly internally. Mm, mm, hmm Yeah. And what, I mean, we're already kind of alluding to it, but let's like, let's really draw out what, what are the benefits? What's the upside if you can move more quickly internally? What are some of the upsides you've seen in your life? or in your clients' lives, or, or in communities? Like, what starts to happen in, in the external visible world, the part that most of us usually pay attention to? What do you, like, that almost becomes like an output or a byproduct of what's happening inside. And I wonder if you could talk a bit more about that. Yeah, so there's, there's an array of things that happen. Firstly, you become more decisive. Yeah, because you can see things more clearly. You can make more informed decisions. In fact, things move so slowly, you can actually do some research and critical thinking on things that come in and actually look at it from a number of angles instead of just impulsively behaving. And the ability to critically think about what comes in is vital because not everything, not every bit of advice that we get, not every bit of information we consume is useful, is relevant, or he's actually correct in this mm-hmm. modern world. But also that ability to slow down, it allows you to make more informed choices and means that actually you're able to see when you're going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the ability to course correct in life is vital. We never always take the right direction first time. But the quicker our life's moving, if we're on the wrong path, we're traveling at speed, we're hustling, we've got our head down. might take years before you get your head up and then you're so far away from where you want to be. It feels almost impossible to make that Mm. travel back. Mm. And there's so many other benefits because that allows you to make those healthier options that compound. Suddenly you feel more alive, you feel more energized, you feel more purposeful. It protects you from the anxiety the long moods, protection from some of the elements of fear. 
it puts you in a place where you start to see procrastination and perfectionism for what they actually are. Mm-hmm. And you start to understand some of your triggers and you're able to actively start to look at digging deep. What you actually get by slowing down is a serenity key for your own mind. And if you're moving at speed, what you're doing is jamming it in everywhere, trying to get it to unlock this. <laughs> Slow down, just place it nicely into the slot and turn it. And all of a sudden you start to actually, you get a little bit of an understanding of where your potential might be. And as a human being, you know our, our potential is unknowable, but having a key to actually start to unlock yourself, hmm. one of the most empowering things you can find and just ability all of a sudden to have more understanding of why you have the emotions that you have, Mm. the ability to express the full spectrum of emotions healthily. But once you're able to do that, what happens is you can find other people that vibrate on a similar frequency to you. And that really puts you in a place where you're massively energized and drawn and magnetized to people who you can make a difference in the world with. Mm. And sometimes when you do go through this process and you slow down and you see other humans firing past you, you can start to feel a little bit lonely because you're not conforming to society. And that initial period is you know, often quite scary. Mm. Mm. Yet if you just embrace it for a little bit longer, all of a sudden you'll start to see those souls traveling at the same speed and you can learn so much when you're not traveling fast because you expand your life and you're able to pick up so much wisdom. You'll be a 30 year old with a lot more wisdom than a 60 year old who never Mm. slowed down. Mm. Mm. Beautiful man. Yeah. Hmm. It's lovely. I feel really excited about the way you're articulating these truths and these possibilities for people. I remember um, I was in a, in a job a number of years ago that was, was quote unquote, the job I was supposed to be in. Um, And we can, we don't have a ton of time left, so I don't want to unpack that, but at some point, and maybe this is sort of connects to like, uh, this is maybe a bit more of a emotional version of what you went through with your physical body right? Like at some point the pain just gets so much that either we keep armoring up, we keep trying to push it, push it further away. Or at some point it cracks like that the stone cracks and we get access to, I got access to a clear awareness. I, I actually got really sick now that I'm, now that I'm really tuning into the story. I got, a, I got an outbreak of, of shingles, which is basically adult chicken pox. And uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. She had to move out of the house and, uh, and like, I had to just sort of sit with myself for two weeks, really slow down. I was in a lot of pain, but I just couldn't go anywhere. I was like, just, it was pretty brutal, but the slow down, like the message was abundantly clear. If you keep running the way you're running and the direction you're running, you're going to burn out, just going to collapse. So it was a really beautiful gift that I got, like both mentally and emotionally, I was forced to slow down, I think is the insight I'm sort of connecting to what you shared. And yeah. in that forcing, 
I was able to see that even though I, I meditated and I ran and I did yoga and I was like, I read a lot and all that stuff. It was like, there was another layer down, down in the gold inside that I needed to let come out. And I can absolutely speak to what you described. I now suddenly look around my life and I see people like you in my life everywhere. And I feel so humbled at all I'm learning as a result of that. And I think that's like the invitation that I hear you making to anyone who's hearing this conversation is when you are in your gold, when you're in that space and connected to it, you will both see things and attract things that are moving on levels you're not even aware of right now. And there's a bit of an act of faith there. Like there's a bit of an act of like, you really have to trust yourself and trust that there are others like you, if you can connect to it. So I just really grateful to you for making that invitation to people to have faith in themselves and have faith in whatever it is that really is looking to come through. Yeah, definitely. And it's that faith. I think as we, as we come to the end, Andy, I think the one thing I want to say to people is in life, you probably holding a candle and holding a candle is great. The power of a candle is you're in control. There's a lot of control in a candle. But in all truth, when the wind comes, it'll blow your candle out. And we don't want our lights to be blown out. Yeah. Now, if you slow down, what happens is that candle becomes a fire. And fires are scary. You're not in control. But if you're a fire, when the winds of adversity come, it fuels you. You become more. And that fire spreads and finds other people who face the fear of the fire and let the wind of adversity hit them and become more. And suddenly you're a raging fire of energy, but it's a positive fire. You've yeah. embraced the fear. You've embraced the challenge. And you're lighting up the world with other people. Yeah, the, the paradox here is it's a healing fire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you, Lee. This has been such a gift. I'm really touched by who you are in the world and how you show up. And I'm feeling that fire right now. So thank you. Me too. Yeah. So uh, if people are hearing this, where where can they find out more about what you're up to in the world? The best places to find me are at www.essentialize.co.uk and at leechambers.org where you can find my blogs, my services, and my social media. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you, Lee, and thanks everyone to listening in. Here's to letting our inner fires burn. Thanks for tuning in to The Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. 
You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now more than ever.